only creates the context for us today. We're only going to allude back to this at the, at the end of the sermon. You may have noticed that we held off bringing you forward for prayer until at the end of the, of the preaching just for the, 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 the simplicity of allowing us to still have, I speak this way, a vortex, a movement towards the front at the end of the sermon today. I've already read verses 1 through 4 for us today. And at the end of that fourth verse, David is saying, and this kind of connected to last week's message, is kind of why I found myself searching and connecting to this passage. He said, he said to inquire in his temple. Remember, it was about inquiring of the Lord. The fifth verse, so in the time of trouble, as I inquire of God, in the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he'll set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Here's a petition the psalmist is making. Have mercy upon me and answer me. That's the context of direction. God, I need your direction. I need you to answer me. For when you said, seek my face, my heart responds. My heart responded to you and said, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger, that thou hast been, thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. For when my father and my mother forsake me, when, then the Lord will take me up. Look at the 11th verse. This again sets the context of my sermon today. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. How many does that, is that bearing witness with anybody today that you're just saying, I need God to teach me my direction or to lead me his direction, the direction he has for me, a plain path, something that I know that God's leading me in. Deliver me not into the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. He said, I had fainted. This is for all of us here in this context. You will faint unless you believe. You will faint. The, the despair of life can be overwhelming at times. The trials of life, the uncertainty of life. And he said, so I would have fainted unless I chose to believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what I'm believing for in 2014 for my life and my family and my children? That I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That God's hand's going to be upon my life in 2014. And what's so awesome about God is His hand and grace is so, is so, is so broad. He can cover all of us. He can cover us all with favor and grace. It doesn't have to be just a select few in the kingdom of God. God can favor us all. In the 14th verse, he said, Therefore, I'm going to wait on the Lord. God's going to do this. God's going to show me the way. I'm going to be of good courage. He's going to strengthen my heart, and I'm going to wait on him. So part two, direction for a new year. Father, we humble ourselves in this room today, knowing that if you don't give us direction, then we're prone to fall prey to a carnal thinking and impulsive behavior. For whatever reason, Father, I feel as if this word today identifies with the need of men and women under the sound of my voice. And I pray that you will take us deeper, understanding your ways so that we can learn to hear your voice and gain direction. Father, not just for a new year, 
but just for our lives in general, God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. All of the Lord's children said with me, come on somebody, amen. Thank you, you and be seated. I appreciate so much your reverence for the Word of God today and this thought that I have to share with you. I'd like to just kind of very quickly, if I might, pick up. I don't know if I wrote down 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, but if your Bible is still open, I'd still like for you to return there for just a moment because there are, they're going to share several scriptures with us on the screen in a few minutes. Uh, periodically in my, in my message today that we're going to follow because it's important that we see this in the Word. But I would like to tap in real quickly to where we were at last week. David was at Ziklag. David had gone back to the land of the Philistines perhaps without hearing from God just in a, in a response to the pressure that Saul was putting upon him in 1 Samuel chapter 27 only to find himself after 16 months returning from battle to discover the city of Ziklag burned to the ground and his wife and children taken, and all the men's wives and children taken. It was a plight unlike any of us probably have ever experienced, not knowing. They didn't even know. They didn't know, are my, you know where are the, the invaders? Where are my children alive? Can you imagine? We can't re- I don't know if any of us can imagine what that would be like. To not know. Probably there may be some here today that have gone through such a severe trial that you can somehow identify. So the, the, the oppression was so heavy that every man wept till there was no power to weep. They thought of stoning David because they blamed him. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And remember what David did, though. He called for Abathar the priest who was dwelling with him, who had, uh, had brought and escaped... Uh, you know, the persecution of Saul with what we called the ephod. And we brought on the screen and we showed you the attire of the, uh, of the first century and the, and the Jewish temple, the high priest, and the ephod that, that, that we believe in that particular vein was actually the, the ephod of the high priest, different from just the casual linen ephod, had a breastplate upon it with the 12 stones that represented each of the 12 tribes or the, that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, but that it was a pouch sewn into it, the stones were sewn into a pouch inside replaced the urim and the thummim it was that the high priest would actually use to help a king determine direction and so when we see david inquiring of the lord it is our belief that either the stones illuminated and directed his path through spelling out the will of god or it was a yes or no type moment that he reached his hand in should i pursue Yes, or the stone illuminated, one of the two. The, the priest looked into the pouch and he f- saw the illumination. And I was making, everybody remember, I want you to be on the same vein. And I, I brought that and made a parallel to certain things that God wants to give us direction today. And I shared with us how we seek Christ for wisdom and direction. Well, I want to show you again in this one passage of 2 Samuel. So when David gained his direction, shall I pursue? God said, pursue. Shall I overtake? Yes, you'll overtake. And it didn't even ask this question, but God in his sovereignty said, you're going to recover all. Not only will you overtake them and find them, you're not just going to vindicate yourself upon them. You're going to recover everything that you lost. How many of you know that was an exciting word for David to take him out of that moment of uncertainty to know he had direction from God. God was speaking direction to his life. Well, after all that is cleared and Saul has died uh, in battle and, and now the kingdom is about to be handed over to David, I just wanted you to see this first verse in chapter 2 of 2 Samuel. For I want you to 
see how David begins to use this, this mechanism to determine direction because this is not the last time that David inquires of the Lord. In the first verse, it says, It came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. So now when you see inquired of the Lord, now you know what it meant. Now you know that he's standing beside Abathar who has the ephod and he's asking very specific questions. There are times in your life that you have to ask God specific questions to get specific answers. It's not enough just to be universal. I remember R.W. Shambach sometime was uh, praying for people and he said this one brother came down. He said, what can I pray for you for today? And he said, it, it doesn't matter. So he laid hands on him and said, God, kill him! <laughs> he backed away and he said, you, if you need something from God, you need to be specific. David's very specific. Shall I go up to any cities of, the, of Judah? He was still at Ziklag when he asked this question. Shall I go up? And the Lord said, picture it in your mind, go up. David said, and I don't know if he spelled this out on the breastplate. I don't know how the answer, I don't know if he listed. Do I go here? Do I go there? Yes, yes no, no, I don't know. But ultimately, a specific question gained a specific answer. Whither shall I go up? He said, Hebron. So the reason why I wanted you to see this is that even under an old covenant system of relationship with God, that God is still in His grace giving men the ability to ask for direction and God is, sh is showing in ways that really points them down the right path. I mean, that means for you and I here today with all the ways that God can speak to us, it should, it should, it should stimulate our faith to believe that I don't have to live life without a game plan. I don't have to go through life not knowing whither I am going, in essence, that God sets a precedence for me. He sets a pattern. He gives me direction. I have an internal compass of the Holy Spirit. I'm following where he's leading that God wants me to know. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's a good word. So now, let me just share with you real quickly. This uh, Using the Urim and the Thummim, it seemed at that time to have progressively uh, been simultaneous with the ministry of the prophet. But over a period of time, if you study the book of the book of First and Second kings, you'll see less emphasis on inquiring of the Lord via the aid of the high priest and more of the, of the rising uh, ministry of the prophet. So again, typically it was only the king that went to the high priest to reach his hand into the pouch and to answer by the Urim and the Thummim. So let me give you a couple examples, and I'm going to read a few passages of Scripture, and they're going to post a couple. 1 Samuel 9, verse 9 says this, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So for a period of time, it was kind of simultaneous. There's the Urim and the Thummim, the high priest. But progressively, it seemed that the ministry of the prophet began to supersede the thing that we've been talking about for the last two weeks. Second Kings chapter 3, you remember a famous passage of Scripture where two kings, Jehoshaphat and I believe Ahab, come to Elisha to inquire of the Lord. And it was where, there that David, or excuse me, that Elisha, because of the presence of such an evil king, King Ahab, didn't want to give answer, but because of a righteous king, Jehoshaphat, he gave answer. But to get the answer, it didn't just automatic, wasn't a button he could push to hear from God. He brought a minstrel, and a minstrel with a stringed instrument began to play, and it created a climate where the spirit of prophecy would begin to flow. And in that environment that was created, purposeful, purposeful environment created a spirit of prophecy, and the prophet began to prophesy, and he directed the path of kings. Second Kings chapter 3. On the screen, 
they're going to show 1 Kings 2 and 27. It's another situation. Same king, different prophet. This prophet is Micaiah. And it says, and Jehoshaphat said, I just want you to see this, understanding what's going on. Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Jehoshaphat is asking, is there a prophet that's got a word in his heart that we as kings might go to him and inquire of the Lord? 2 Kings 22 tells us the story of when King Josiah, after hearing the word of God for the very first time, rends his clothes and needs direction from God. And they go, it's not a prophet this time. It shows the diversity of the prophetical office. A prophetess, Huldah by name, she is chosen. And he goes and she speaks a prophetical word into his life. The reason why I wanted you to see this, it's very important that we see that there is a distinction between both the Urim and the Thummim and the prophet functioning as a seer and a soothsayer or a witchcraft or fortune telling. There are a lot of people and a lot of mechanisms where people look into the darkness to attempt to cast light for your life. But the scripture forbids us to going to witches, warlocks, come on somebody, horoscopes. I don't need Madam so-and-so. I've got a direct line to heaven, come on somebody, and an anointing from God. And God's got people in the church that are genuinely born again. It's not born of mysticism. It's not born of witchcraft or black magic. It's not born of sensual activity or sensual behavior that God can use to help bring a word of direction into my life. Amen? So we see this ministry of the prophet begin to supersede that of the Urim and the Thumb. It's important. So then as I begin to unfold this mechanism, because I want to teach you today, because I don't want you to live your life in the blind spot. The blind spot. Not, not see it clearly. Come on, a blind spot. I want you to live your life knowing that you've got direction, seeing and understanding. And so we have to learn. To, so then I set my heart and said, okay, God, let me contemplate. Well, then how, let's jump all the way into the New Testament. Let's go past the torn veil. Let's go past the, the blood of Jesus on the cross. Let's go to the birth of the church. And let's find how God spoke to the apostles in the first century church. How did God lead them? Because perhaps the mechanism and the way that he led them is the way he will lead us. Right? If God led the first century church this way, then perhaps he'll lead us and direct our steps. Oddly enough, the first time you'll find the apostles asking God for direction, the mechanism that they chose to hear the voice of God was they cast lots. They actually drew straws, in essence, as to who would be the 12th apostle to take the seed of Judas that had given his seed away by transgression. That's the only record of that type of instruction in the New Testament because it was prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit came, there was a, even the day of Pentecost was a prophecy of Joel that in the last days God would pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters would do what? They would prophesy. They would see visions and dream dreams. So, so from there, let's just go real quickly. And I, For the sake of time, let me just run these down very quickly. Acts 5 and 19, Acts 8 and 26, it says, an angel of the Lord spoke to the apostles. Was that the audible voice of God? Can God speak audibly? Yes, yes he can. Perhaps he spoke audibly through the voice of an angel. Acts 8 and 29 and Acts 10 and 19, I think we're going to post. Look at this. Then the Spirit said to Philip, 
roll the next one if we can, Acts chapter number 10, verse number 19. And the Spirit, while he thought on these things, the Spirit said to him. So what's this mechanism? Is this an audible word, like when the angel spoke to them? Or can we say this would be more the inner witness? The inner witness of the Holy Spirit who dwells in the life of every believer, right? His promise is that he will guide us and lead us into all truth, that every one of us, the Holy Spirit, is joined to our spirit. Now, we have to grow in our ability to hear the voice of the Spirit as He speaks to us. Sometimes He speaks through our conscience. Sometimes it's through a quickening in our heart and mind. Sometimes it's through a simple thought. I don't, God, but it's He spoke to them. So I see the pattern of the book of Acts was that there was an angel that spoke, an audible voice. Secondly, I see an inner witness, the Holy Spirit speaks. Thirdly, I discovered God spoke to the apostles through visions and dreams. In Acts chapter number 9, Ananias in the middle of the night is awakened by God with a vision and there he sees a word or hears a word from God about going and laying his hands on Saul. He also says that Saul sees in a vision you coming unto and laying hands on him. But perhaps I don't think I had them put this on the screen. But in Acts chapter 16 verse number 9 was when Paul was attempting to lead his missionary team along the, in Asia Minor in that particular area. And he was hindered from going into certain places. The Bible says he attempted to go here. The Spirit suffered him not. How did the Spirit answer? I don't necessarily know, but the Spirit prevented him from going into at least two different places. And then the Bible says a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia spoke to him and said, Paul, we need you to come and help us. And when, they, when he awoke out of his dream, awoke in the morning, he knew God had spoken to him. He gathered up his ministry team. So that's why we have to be sensitive even at night. Job said it's in the night watches that God can come to you. Be very sensitive to the very first thought that's upon your brow when you wake up in the morning because God may have spoken to you. I believe there are times we should ask God before we go to sleep, God, if there's anything that you want that you need to say, casting direction for my life, God, come to me in the night washes when my heart is still and my mind is sensitive. Come on, somebody. God has chosen that as one of the means and the mechanisms that he, that he uh, teaches us his way and his direction. But the most prevalent way that we see in the word of God of how God spoke to men begins to unfold to us in Acts chapter 13. It's in the second verse. It's when the church is gathered at Antioch. They're fasting and praying before God. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Separate, he said, the Holy Ghost said, That to me seems audible. It doesn't just seem private inner witness to Paul. It seems to be that it was spoken audibly. And ultimately, the fourth verse says they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. How did God say this? What's the means and the mechanisms? Now, you have to think about this. Put this together, your life, your contemplating direction. There's a group of men that have a call of God upon their life, but they don't have direction. They're fasting, they're praying. How many of you believe that's an important part of obtaining direction? is to fast and... Come on, are y'all with me today? Fasting and prayer. And as they're fasting and praying, the Spirit speaks. Well, how does He speak? He speaks through prophetical unction. The gift of prophecy did not fade away with the beginning of the New Testament. 
The gift of prophecy was prophesied in the old and carried through into the new and actually has become more prevalent in our dispensation because every one of us have the ability to prophesy the Spirit of God. Young men, come on, remember the passage. It's the Spirit of prophecy. So for just a minute, let me trail this very quickly. Acts chapter 11, Agabus the prophet prophesies the coming drought. The people respond. They gain direction. Acts chapter number 20, we see in the Word of God that Paul, it says that the Spirit witnessed in every city Paul's captivity in Jerusalem. Everywhere he would go, it seems, as towards the end of that third missionary journey, it seemed in every city that he visited, the Holy Spirit was saying, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to jail. In essence, you're going to be, many hardships are going to follow you and you're going, to, uh, you're going to be brought into captivity. And we see that culminate in Acts chapter uh, number 21 where there's a warning through those that were gathered with him. Uh, I think that they were at Caesarea. But look at the fourth verse of the 21st chapter and I want you to see this. Finding disciples, we tarried there seven days. Who's, listen, why is this important for you to see? Here's the body ministering prophetical gifts that are casting direction for the man that penned two-thirds of the New Testament. So that we shouldn't be so haughty to think that God can't... Come on. God can use anybody. That's why we need to stir up spiritual gifts. That's why we need to desire that you prophesy. They said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go to Jerusalem. They attempted to warn him. Agabus later confirmed this by taking a leather belt, and uh, Paul's own belt, binding his hands and saying, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, whoever owns this belt, if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound from here. So I want you to know the value of why we stir up spiritual gifts that we need prophetical unctions as a church. My personal life has been aided on more than one occasion by the gift of prophecy when I was seeking direction. I'm going to share today a couple of brief examples just to show you how that as a, as, a, as a younger man, as I was searching for direction in my life, God used the spirit of prophecy. Someone that had a gift of prophecy, excuse me, that spit was aimed right towards you, Janice. Be very careful of sitting on the front row. Prophesy, prophecy. Years ago, I was in the Air Force. A church had come open up here. It was Liberty Hill. Uh, Free Will Baptist Church at the time. I'd had some friends that, that, that attended there. They needed a pastor. I was in the Air Force. I was working with Pastor Burton and just had that unction, that desire, you know, to do the things of God and be a pastor and to go into the ministry. And I was really thinking about that and contemplating it. And, but, but it was unsure. Now, looking back, certainly I'm thankful that I didn't press forward and go with this. But um, as I was contemplating it, uh, Charles Thompson had a, had a tent set up at Rosebud. While I was praying about what I should do and asking God, I went to the service one night for the singular purpose of getting direction, to inquire of the Lord. And so I sat there just like everybody else. We went through the service. Pastor Brother Thompson always called people down at the end, and he would pray for people, not pray for everybody, but those that he felt led to. And I didn't ask, didn't share anything. And, and remember, I'm, 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 I'm working with Pastor Burton. I'm a part of the staff. I'm a part of the team. I'm growing. I'm in the Air Force. I feel a burden to minister. I feel a burden to preach and to pastor. I feel led to this way, to this area. But, I, but you know, but it's very difficult. It's, it's easy to get the cart in front of the horse. 
Come on, it's easy to not use judgment and discretion and have your zeal and your desire to do something that causes you to not use discretion. So as he begins to minister, he comes to me and I can remember it like yesterday. He begins to pray over me. The spirit of prophecy comes upon him. He begins to prophesy about the ministry. And then he says, but the Lord says to you, you are to not leave your training ground. Well, I don't know how much clearer that could be than that I was to get back in my vehicle and drive 32 miles south back to Little Rock Air Force Base and I was to stay there under the wing of my pastor until the appropriate time, the spirit of prophecy. That's why we need to agitate it and stir it up in our midst because people need to hear a good word from God that can direct our steps. Well, later then, as I was getting uh, thinking about uh, when we did move up into this area, and I've shared this story before, but for a brief time, just real quickly to just reiterate, I, I was searching for direction again, wanting to be in ministry, wanting to be in this area, but things weren't quite working out and had different ideas. This time I, I visited the Prevailing Word Christian Center because a prophetess but from Texas was there by the name of Helen Wilson. And I sat through the service, and she ministered. She ministered to people individually, and finally I'm on active duty status in the Air Force, but I'm wanting the heart of God and the will of God. And she said, is there anybody here who was in, in the military? Not a single man or woman raised their hand. I knew that there were people that were in the military, but they didn't raise their hand. Finally, I raised my hand and she called me forward and she began to prophesy about the ministry. I'm in the military, but she's not prophesying about the military. She's prophesying about the ministry. And she said, God has got orders for you in the ministry, but they're sealed while he waits for you to agree with him and when you agree with him God's going to promote you into the ministry four months later I was the pastor of Maranatha Assembly of God as a direct result of that prophetical word that came to my life about the course of direction that God read. that's why we need the gifts of God in our midst and a prophetical word at Shirley confirmed to us when the, somebody that didn't know anything about us prophesied that their next pastor would have five children at that time we had five Alyssa had not come along as of yet. And it was a prophetical word that confirmed our direction. We need those gifts. The Apostle Paul needed those gifts. You need those gifts. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, don't despise prophesying. Stir up these gifts. Or he told the Thessalonian church, despise not prophesying. But he said, forbid not to prophesy. Believe God. Every one of us should desire. We need the activity of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, why the lack of prophecy in the church? I'll tell you two reasons very quickly before I transition into one thing very important and I'll close today because I want to close at a time of prayer. It's 1143. Very quickly. Two reasons why the lack of prophecy in our church. Number one, oftentimes we don't have deep, sincere corporate prayer. Because sometimes we're just in the motions. A prayer, any time that I have been ever around the prophetical unctions, it is born from a time of deep, sincere, people are heartfelt, they're after God, they've pressed through, they've gone through the darkness, they've moved from the outer court to the inner court. Come on, they've gone through the veil, they see the presence of God, they experience the unctions of God. Are y'all hearing me today? That hinders us when we are not committed enough to corporate, deep, sincere prayer as a body. Number two, often we don't, we're not sincere enough in our worship services and therefore we're easily distracted. Worship and prayer are the two greatest components to agitate the spirit of prophecy in a church. You've got to see your part as it unfolds. For the sake of time, I'm going, to, oh, I'm going to go past many other ways that God speaks to people in the New Testament book of Acts. He spoke through purposing in the Spirit. He spoke through determining that this was the will of God. He speaks through common agreement. 
I mean, you know, sometimes it's just the common agreement. I didn't have a light. I didn't have an angel. I didn't have an audible voice. But we just came together in the power of common agreement. And God showed us his will. He also speaks through the council of elders. Come on. Don't think that you are so spiritual that what you heard from God should not be subjected to the council of godly men and godly women that can look at what that, that every prophecy should be judged. Because it's just not the Spirit of God that prophesies. Come on, the spirit of witchcraft and, and the spirit of Antichrist often has a prophetical word. So we should be willing to, if we feel like we've heard from God, it still should stand the test of being judged by godly leaders. So that way it'll prevent us from making foolish mistakes. Come on, somebody. And so I want to share with you, and I'm going to have to, for, for the sake of time, be very quick because I I'm going I'm to skip and omit some of the, what I had originally said. But I want to show you another way that God can speak to your life. And this one's a tough one because I have to be very careful. I mentioned it last week. But I want to put some scriptures here on the screen and then I'm going to omit about those last four. Psalms 43, I want you to see this real quickly. He said, send out thy light and thy truth. This is the psalmist David. Some people believe that he's actually referring to the Urim and the Thummim, the two perhaps stones that were in the breastplate of the high priest. Light and truth. Send it out. Let them lead me. Let them lead me, O God. Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. How many believe that? And a what? And a light to my path. God's word. How many believe God's word? God's word. Order my steps. Psalm 119, verse 133. says, order my steps in thy word. Now, there are a lot of verses. I'm not going to show these. I'm going to read these to you real quickly. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct your paths. Good job. Psalm 16 and 9, a man's heart will devise his way, but the Lord will... Direct the steps. Psalm 37 and 23, the steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Isaiah 48 and 17, thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teaches thee to profit, which leads thee by the way that thou should go. So it is God's will to direct our steps. It's God's will to lead us in the way we should go then is it possible that this right here, God can use the Word of God to illuminate your path, to direct your path? Now, I believe there are two ways that God can direct you through the Word of God. Not necessarily, in essence, I'm not using the prophetical word now. I believe that the quickened Word in your own spirit, God can just simply, through the Word, quicken a Word. You know what the word quicken means? It means to make alive. God can make alive a Word that gives you direction. Now, last week in my sermon, I made a statement that I cast a negative image to something that can be positive but can be abused. And I did this. I tossed the Bible down and I said, if we live our life thinking that every time we open the Bible that that's going to be the course of direction, that's the wrong thing to do. However, what I want you to know, I want to ask this question. Is it possible for you in a season of uncertainty to pray and ask God to direct you through the word that God, that, it, that, that I know you say, Pastor, this is akin to drawing, uh, you know, casting lots, or this is akin to the Urim. I understand, but the Bible says that the word, 
will bring light and truth and it will direct my path. Is it possible that in some seasons, not all the time, I've learned God doesn't always answer me this way. I've learned that my fleshly appetite sometimes attempts to manipulate this mechanism and you have to be very careful. But I have also learned through my experiences with God and through reading, uh, reading the testimonies of others that there are times in your life, in the sincerity of your cry, that you can say, God, I need a word from you that's going to direct me about a decision that I'm making. And as you prayerfully go to the word of God, God can show you a verse of scripture that casts the light. Amen. Come on. In 2000. I became the pastor in 2003. In 2002, Sherry and I were living in our newly built log cabin on 17 acres in Shirley, a quarter of a mile away from the church. 300 yards by the way the, stone, by the, way the crow flies. So I was on a small farm, but not separated from the church, just right around the corner. We had suffered a house fire, and by the grace of God, long before I knew who Dave Ramsey was, long before I knew about the classes JoJo would be teaching, I was debt-free in that house. Now, that's like exciting. Well, you ought to be saying, whoo, Shatakaya Mosia, right there. That's exciting. It is. Exciting season. We, we hadn't even, we'd only lived there six months. But there was an uneasiness in my heart. The church was a healthy church. God was doing great things in our church family. I had finished building so we could get back to, to pastoring more effectively. There, there are great people in Shirley, great church family, people I love and have connected to this very day. But I didn't see that as my end. I felt like there was something more. I believed God, that God wanted me to be in Heber Springs. I just believed that God had put that in my heart since I was a young man, and I couldn't get away from it. I had every reason to stop looking down the hill. Come on. I mean, how many of you have... I was 33 years old and living in that 2,800-square-foot that log house, seven bedrooms, three-and-a-half baths, built for the Brown family. And it was debt-free. But I couldn't find peace. And I got up one spring morning in a, must have been Saturday because all the kids were home because I was having to be quiet before anybody got up. And I was just heavy. And I, and, I, and I had that moment that you've had before. And so this is my personal experience that I'm sharing with you today is I'm going to close. Matter of fact, Daryl, it'll ease the conscience of, of people if you come forward. They'll think he's at least within 30 minutes of finishing. But I had that sovereign moment. I had that moment where I said, God i got to hear from you. And I had that moment where I, I prayed and I would believe I was sincere and I was asking God and I knew what I was debating. I was debating, God, am I to just put my roots down in Shirley and say this is the end, this is who we're going to be when this is our hill country, this is the things that you put in my heart or is there more? Is there, am, I supposed to, am I supposed to one day just go down from this hillside down to, to, to Heber Springs? And I knew what that prayer meant. It was a specific. Remember what David prayed? Should I go to, where should I go? It, it was direction, it was clear. And so I prayed, and, and my family and children are all asleep. Sherry and the children are asleep. Nobody knows. This is just me and God, my private devotion. And I said, God, I need you to show me a word. Give me a word that will affect who I am, and what I am, and where I am. And, and I prayed, and I asked God, and I opened the Scriptures, just like you've done before in the past, and sometimes you've heard from God, and sometimes you've not. 
Every one of us. And I turned and, my, and I went right to Joshua chapter number 22. Is where I went. Is that one going to be able to show up on the screen real quickly? And it says, And Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. How many know that's very inspirational right there? That just tells you right where you need to go. God's calling the Reubenites and the Gadites and the Shirleyites. But if you understood real quickly, that's the two and a half tribes that their inheritance was on the other side of the River Jordan. But they had crossed over and they had helped the other nine and a half tribes to possess their land. And now they were, had completed possessing their land and they came to them and with Joshua and they said, he's right here. And Joshua said to them, you have, here's what God spoke to my heart. I made it personal. You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. You've obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you, the third verse. You've not left your brethren these many days until this day, but you have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Verse 4, And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he has promised you. Therefore return you, get you unto your tents, unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. And I knew it was a sovereign, sacred moment for me. You could overlook it. You could read past it and it wouldn't mean anything to you. But for that day, that moment, that was God saying, Lee, I'm not leaving you here in Shirley. Your destiny is not here. I want you to prepare your heart because you're going to one day, within one year of me praying that prayer, I became the pastor of Heber Springs First Assembly of God. I left my brethren and I went to my possession that God had promised me. Because of what? A quickened word from God gave me to Direction from the Lord. This is the will of God. Direction. You have to be very careful. You cannot manipulate it. There are times you do that and God doesn't answer. There are times that you ask for something that you're wanting a yes and you get a no. You have to be mature enough to accept. And you have to be mature enough to say, God, if it's wait, I'll wait. If it's go, I'll go. But I believe in my heart of hearts. I believe in my heart of hearts that God can direct you through the Word of God. I have other testimonies, and I'm going to refrain. It's hard for me because there's a couple recently that God used. And I, on December the 12th, I'm not going to share with you. I feel a quick check in my spirit. I'm not going to. But I sat right here early one morning, right here, oppressed about a certain situation that I didn't have direction for. I felt like we were losing something. I felt like that situation had extracted something away from us. And I prayed and I said, God, I've got to hear from you. And I said, I need your direction. And I turned to a passage of Scripture just like that. And when I put my hand down, it was a word from heaven that shifted my countenance. And I knew that I'd heard from God. Only for the sake of time do I omit the details of it for you today. I want you to know that if a priest could reach his hand into a pouch and pull out a stone, then you and I, at times in our life, at times, God can speak to us, can't he, Dr. Brassfield? This way, he could give a direction. Probably every one of us have a testimony at some time. You need to understand that's a sacred moment in your life when God gives you direction. We have the courage to go forward. We close with returning to Psalm, 30, Psalm 27. We close this morning because we want to close in a moment of prayer around the altar. Before, as we read Psalm 27, Acts 21 to 14 is a verse that I do want to mention very quickly. You know, when you're searching for direction, 
I believe sometimes it's important that you always put a tag on the end of it. And the tag is, especially if you're still uncertain of the direction that you should go, remember what I told you about in Acts 21 where the Spirit was telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem? But Paul, if you know, if you read that, Paul was determined to go. The Spirit was saying not to go, but Paul was determined to go. Scholars debate, did he miss God? Who was, where, was the, where was the right, where was the wrong? We can't answer that debate today. But when those that prophesied to him said, don't go, and Paul said, I'm going, here's what they stepped back and said. The will of the Lord be done. How many know that that's an appropriate prayer to pray at times too when you're searching for direction and you say, Father, I'm uncertain as to the clarification, but God, I'm going to believe that you're going to make all things work together for my good because I love the Lord. Let your sovereign will be done in my life. Jesus said, pray, Father, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, thy will be done. So sometimes when you don't have specific direction, that's the only prayer that you can pray and you just pray, God, let your sovereign will be done in my life. Psalm 27, we cast the light for just a few moments ago. I highlight this as we close because I want to just close with the moment of prayer here today. It's important. I want to pray with you that are needing direction this year. Remember what David said, One thing I desire to the Lord, that will I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the fourth verse. And I will behold the beauty of the Lord in His temple. I'll behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire, excuse me, in His temple. I'm telling you, it's a shame when we make church so fast-paced that we can't come together and inquire of God for direction in our life. Are you hearing me today? I know everybody may not be acutely connected to your situation, and it doesn't necessarily move them. That's okay. That's okay. But if you have a situation that you need direction, God forbid that you act without praying for it. Come on, pray. God, give me. I'm going to inquire like David did. I'm going to inquire in his temple. I'm going to sing praises. Sixth verse, seventh verse said, I'm going to cry with my voice. The eighth verse said, I'm going to seek your face. And I'm going to trust the eleventh verse. You're going to teach me your way, God, and you're going to lead me in a plain path. And I'm going to believe God to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the is that bearing witness with anybody as we close 2013 and we've said hello to a new year? They're saying, if you don't believe God, then it might not happen. If you just think it's not, just arbitrarily that good things are going to happen, you have to believe God to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to believe God for direction. I'm going to believe God to answered prayer. I'm going to believe God to a consistent revelation of His will for my life. I'm going to believe God that when I ask for direction, God's going to give it. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm going to believe that I'm not going to make the past, the, the, the mistakes I've made in the past, but I'm going to wait on the Lord until I have clear direction before God. Won't y'all stand up this morning in the Lord's house? I want to invite every person down that will for a few minutes today. Every person that will that just says they want to come forward and say, I want to believe God to see His goodness in the land of the living in the year 24.